Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if your losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their f***ing houses for all right, Johnny. So you think you're doing a lot for your club? You think you're a real proper GA person? And then you look at what Declan Bonner is doing for his club and for his county. So not only is he a Donegal manager and a, a bloody fine Donegal manager at that, but he's also a club chairman of Narasa. And just yesterday, he was playing in goals at the ripe old age of 54. So um, he lined out for him in a junior championship match in the quarterfinals, um, filling in for regular keeper Ryan McGonigal. Uh, he played his first adult game for the club 38 years ago. So <laughs> he made his debut 38 years ago, and now he's playing with him yesterday just in the junior championship. Uh, Niall McIntyre did a piece with the club secretary up there, Pat Boyle, and he's saying um, Declan never lets the club down. He got on well out there. He only conceded one goal, and he still has a good old kick out. You know he used to hit the freeze for Donegal, like... I mean, as GA men go, like Declan Bonner is right up there with the very best. Absolutely. I mean, any any of, all right, maybe playing a bit of junior football is not that taxing. But I know my own dad was chairman of our club for four or five years there, and you know, it's the chairman of a club is is a big big ask because yeah. every problem in the club is your problem from a, 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 a disgruntled parent of the the under sixes to finance to uh, you know club fundraisers. Everything to stay at a pitch. I often remember we'd have a, maybe a, a match and he'd be ringing around looking for umpires, you know, this, and I'm thinking, is this the chairman's job? And we'd have all these subcommittees, you know, and all working away, but then whenever anything went wrong, it, it landed at the chairman's door. So that job in itself is massive. And I'm, I'm thinking he's, he's, he's obviously one of these guys that just says, here, look at, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fed up looking at these things <laughs> maybe half hours. I just let me do it myself. Yeah, you know? that's exactly it. <laughs> like, yeah. but if, like phenomenal energy, you know, like, and being that, like Donegal are, are, are a top team uh, yeah. at inter-county level. The one work, of the most sophisticated teams as well. Yeah, and like the, the work he must, he must do. And then like, 
the work that's in any intercounty, but particularly for the the, the counties like you think of Mayo, you think of obviously Donegal, where there's players in Dublin, and he's trying to organise that maybe meet halfway for sessions and all this sort of thing. That's massive planning. And then Asher, ah, sure, I played a bit junior as well. <laughs> it's yeah. just. Yeah, like, it's mad. But you're right. Like, think, think of what goes into team management. Yeah, not only do you have to organise everything. I mean, when you're going to go manager, then you also have to fundraise and yeah. get involved in all this stuff. Tactically analyse everything. You meet yeah. with all your coaches. But then you're also a man manager for every single player. Like, you yes. know, what could be forty players? Absolutely. And and you know, all them players have lives away from the game, yeah. and you're trying to be a mentor to them. You you have to listen to the criticism from me and you as well, yeah. <laughs> and everyone else that you know really don't understand why a decision was made in the first place and we're scrutinising it and like oh it's just it's massive and, and you know obviously he's look at the club is a massive part of, of his life yeah. um, and and you, know, you think 38 years ago he met his he met his <laughs> David it's, it's, it's mad but he, he just he, look at the GA there's there's probably player or people like this all over uh, the country doing massive things obviously when, when it's someone you know, with with the respect and and I suppose with the career that that Declan had, but as a footballer and 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 as a manager, you know, it probably gets a little bit more airtime. But there's there's massive, you know, volunteerism within the in the like some people do huge huge work that we never hear of yeah. all over the country. And and um, so that's that's the eaters of the GA, and that's why it's it's alive and well as much as we as we kick it around <laughs> from yeah. time to time. But it's 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 alive and well, and it it's the heartbeat of. Particularly when, particularly when, when things are not going well, like when I would have seen, you know, like obviously I, we're in Kildare and it's not seen as rural Ireland, but we're yeah. in, we're in, no, I suppose no. in the middle of the bog of Allen, and you know when when things, um, you know maybe the guard stations closed and there was you know different communities and every everything that goes on in in Allen Wood is around our club, you know if it's the you know there's there's the the bowls for the for um. The, the local boys club they meet there the Irish dancing meets there it's just it's the heart and soul of, of the community and, and uh, we probably undervalue it yeah. really you know and it's people like Declan Bonner uh, and the Declan Bonners all over in, in every county that make it what it is and something we probably don't sit back and say do you know what we're part of a brilliant organisation yeah. here you know Do you ever drive out to Glendalock and like you know these real obscure lovely like mountain roads yeah. and just trees like nothing around for miles yeah. and then suddenly I think you get to Roundwood is it? Yeah then, absolutely poof, Yeah, this massive like pitch and clubhouse and you're like what is this doing yeah. here? Yeah how, how do I get players <laughs> like that yeah. and, and you know but it, it's and it's funny you know like I'd see and you'd always be a little bit maybe you're thinking every time I think of a club I think related to my own club yeah. and there'd be lads and they'd be giving you every excuse for you to camp and then you hear of lads you know from like Donegal I'm tipping back up the road for training and I'm thinking we have a lad down at the cross you know he's watching Coronation Street and he won't bother coming up to, yeah. to train and you're thinking look at this guy this commitment do you know it's just it's, it's phenomenal really you know yeah and this is it so like we're talking about how much is required for a county manager like mm. especially today and especially the good teams and like you often hear of coaches and managers stepping away because it's such a big commitment after three, four years they talk about trying to get back to family time or, or finally putting their wives first or you know because like it takes so much of their lives but I, I just can't fathom then how Declan Bonner throws being a club chairman and on top of this like Pat Boyle saying here he's your chairman now as well it's great to have him because we're in the process of getting a new pitch <laughs> <laughs> and Declan is great with the organisation side of stuff he's a brilliant yeah. club man yeah like they were in the, your tra- the dinner dances and oh. as you say everything it's, it's a buck stops with him yeah I remember being in an AGM 
when I was living back in Derry and it went on for two hours longer than the shit well they usually go on for longer because yeah. everyone's whinging but um, we, we allocated that time but because we couldn't pick a chairman well we 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 wanted the person to step forward and he wouldn't step forward yeah. but the whole thing was delayed because you know he was thinking like I can't take this yeah, on like, yeah. eventually he did yeah, and it was depression. because of people like that like as yeah. well as they keep the whole thing going but yeah he knew full well like what a big undertaking this was and yeah. Bonner's doing that on top of county management on top of playing oh, club football yeah. in the championship I'd say well. the, the bit of club football is a little bit of a, a stress reliever you know just get out yeah. and throw on yeah, the yeah. boots and get out and have a bit of crack with the lads because you know when you're in the role particularly of inter-county management you know and you do build a bond with players but there is a separation you, you know you can't be the boss and the boy you know you have yeah. to you have to distance yourself and you know it's 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 serious alright you know everyone has a different character and the the, the, the I suppose they can make that that work to their advantage, or whatever. But you still have to maintain that distance, or that that distance from the players, and and I suppose to you nearly need them. As, as Brian called said once, you nearly need them a little bit afraid of you, as such, to 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 make sure that they're keeping their standards up, and you know that you're gonna you're gonna come down hard on them if if, if they're slipping. Um, but I suppose my point being that he goes back and he plays a bit with the club and you know probably most of the lads he's playing with are a, a good number of them he play with their fathers or maybe some of their grandfathers <laughs> yeah. as well so you know I'd say it's just it's to get out and, and, and let, let the hair down um, is, yeah. is a big thing for him but he's a phenomenal man to be to, to be doing and obviously has a phenomenal yeah, wife yeah. Um, if she but she's obviously a big GA woman yeah. as well to support has him has to down. be oh have to be can, can I ask just you're talking about management there like in McGinney's obviously always a big enigma to people outside the circles but players seem to love him like what is it? What's the balance that he strikes? Is he can he be a bit of a friend as well? Yeah, well, he he would be like you know, and obviously, um, I when I was captain for for five of the years he was with us, so I I got to know him very well, um, and yeah, he does he does keep that. But he, I think the the one thing with Kieran was, you know, he expected certain things from you, um, you know, he would like you to be honest with him if you had a problem, you said it and. Mm. There was a line drawn in the sand, so I think p- players appreciated that, and he, he he tried to build something I suppose different in 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 Kildare as well. He tried to build a bond with the players, you know, because you've you've obviously no different in any county. You've loads of lads doing different things, and you, you know you're you're trying to bring them all together. And you know we would have fundraised ourselves, um, and I think people would have seen the players would have seen this is this is something different. You know, this guy. He's in it with us, you know. He's not here just to to manage and see how it goes, and and you know get whatever he gets over the country to the the rumor he was the Arabs were were funding him and all this rubbish, you know, yeah. complete, you know, just make up the stupidest lies ever and just put them out there. Um, but you know, like I remember the first and I probably mentioned this before, the first time we met, you know, he, he rode up on a flip there, all the ex- excuses why why we weren't successful, you know, and. I remember being one at the time we used to train in in the the, the Standhouse Hotel at the back of the race course in in the Curra. It's it's gone now, but um, that was the gym. But you were in with Joe Public, and so you could be waiting on a, and waiting on a rack or waiting yeah. to do things. And lads would come in, and it was it was a bit ad hoc, really. Um, so that went up on it, no gym, and we organised a fight night. Got loads of sponsorship in. Lads got into the ring, really well done. To uh, Royston Boxing Club and Newbridge came on board, and and we raised a good few bob and. We, we bought our own weights and we got a we got a place um over in the K Club. Um Pat Mangan, who was chairman of the supporters club at the time, there was after the Ryder Cup there was a, a big media centre. It was like a, it looked like a big tent, yeah. but it was a, a permanent structure. And we were in there and uh, kitted it out top of the last gym. So it was another excuse. And and I think players 
just saw that okay, this is this is a bit different now. This is this guy's you know wants this as as much yeah. as we did, and I think that's where he got the respect. Look, he wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea, you know. He he he. Um, I certainly, I suppose, I was coming to the end of my my career, and I knew that you know this was different and talking to different people uh, and that respect and he had that I suppose that that respect from from anywhere he went and a really really top class guy like yeah. like you know I, I know um I say one of the one of the players uh, in the past lost his dad he was only he was only coming onto the panel at the time and lost his dad and you know I remember being at the house and uh, Kieran rang me says I'm outside I drove all the way to Armagh mm. you know like things like that, just he got huge respect. So I yeah. think that was the, that was the big thing with Kieran, you know. Yeah. Well, enough about Kildare because we're going to yeah. talk about Derry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what everybody wants to hear about. <laughs> no, it's it's club season. Club season is back, and um, it's just like th- this this club Banner are at it again. So I remember in 2012 they went on this fairy tale run all the way to the semi final. I still remember every one of their games like it was yesterday, and they played Ballanderry in the semi final. Ballanderry were the the linchpins at the time. And they lost one eight to not ten in the semi final, and it was only because this ball from uh, Enda Muldoon. God, he couldn't like Enda Muldoon's played some amazing passes before, but this one was inch perfect. And Raymond Wilkinson, I remember that he put it away in Celtic Park, and Banner lost by a point. But they changed their manager mid season that year, and this is why they sort of came out of nowhere and got to the semi final, went in this class run. They've done the exact same thing again this year, so they've lost every single league game. They're relegated. And change management. So Enda Muldoon actually was in charge. Him and Declan Mullen stepped away during the season. Senior players had to take over for a while during training. Uh, they had no manager in charge. Then Charlie O'Kane and Mark Quigley have come in. And now they've gone and beaten Balahi, beaten Swatra. They're back in the semi-final. And it's just this sort of journey going on again. And I always think that's amazing how clubs can just up it for when it matters most. Or like when they get something right. Like we all start training from January or December sometimes. You're doing the runs, you're doing the weights and you're promising everything under the sun. But it really does seem to be a few weeks out from championship when you knuckle down, you can make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that there's more to that. I mean, you know, and players can get caught up in management and management, you know, and the more sometimes the more bells and whistles that arrive with a manager, we think, oh, this is, this is going to be different. And, you know, Everyone brings their own and wants to put their own stamp on a team, and and you know, as I say, you could you could be with a team this year and everything go well. You put the same structures in place next yeah. year and nothing go well, but it does boil down to the players. And you know, when you when you see um, when you hear of something like that, there's obviously good leaders in in that mm. um, dressing room because. Mark All Lynch would be the the biggest ones, and Mark Lynch captain Derry yeah, for years. Yeah, a fantastic player. Yeah. But but I th- I think the. When you do something like that, and that's like you know, we've all sat in dressing rooms where there's maybe a bit of criticism, but oh, look at we, you know, not brave enough maybe to to make that tough call. And then you know, Mayo would have got a lot of, albeit it wasn't it was a mid season when when um, they got rid of the Pat Holmes. Yeah, and, and you know, didn't back them in the next. Yeah. Kennelly. Um, but then all of a sudden the the focus switches then. So there's no more excuses now. The manager was exactly. the problem. Yeah. Now lads you have to you have to step up. You so know? you've taken the excuses off the table. Absolutely. And you can't and you hide put, no, you can't anymore. hide now, you know. And yeah. and we all look at players look for that crutch. You know, ah well, I didn't get a fair deal or I didn't he didn't like me. And like when you peel all that, that's all absolute rubbish. Because your job is to convince the manager you should be on the team. And like if you, I see it in in, in clubs and you hear like ah oh, he didn't really like me then it's not got to do with that you know you basically he's telling you you're not good enough to be on the team at the moment 
and that's that's agree. it. I like you I, know you can when you and most lads if they're really honest they know that. Yes, you know, and and sometimes and like when you when you think, my God, if you had Enda Muldoon managing you, um, you think, geez, that's a great, you know, yeah. he's one of the he's an iconic figure, mm-hmm. super player, absolutely super, but to, to you think to get rid of that. There is pressure now, and the pressure's on the players to deliver. And you know, all of a sudden, particularly if you have a group of players that are going to look after themselves for a, a period, all of a sudden, then there's a difference in in the manager saying, "Right, Johnny, you aren't a trainer." But if your buddy that you went to school with, and you know, you know, maybe had your first pint with, and all yeah. that things, is saying, "Where were you last night?" That's a different. That's a different cry, you know. Yeah. And, and and I think that's. You know, you can if you have enough leaders to drive it within the team. That's a very powerful thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You see this whole um, the subs thing. I understand, right? That sometimes, like, say, a manager might make a bad call, but the manager is only ever trying to pick a team that's going to, that's going to win. No matter what he thinks of you Doesn't or matter. whatever, he's like, he's going to pick the best team, the yeah. best formula that he thinks is to win, and whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. And if you're not part of that formula. Then most of it is on you. Like there, there are rare occasions that they might be missing the, something. Yeah, and there's there's an occasion maybe it's a toss of a coin between you and someone yeah. else, and and maybe he goes with someone else, and you know you come on, you kick two points or three yeah. points, and you think, well, Jenny, how do you get that wrong? Yeah. How but in general, and and you get this thing as well, like you know, I see I see it. It's, it happens in my own club. It happens in every club where you know. You guys, oh, you haven't been training. Ah, oh, no, I'm not going. I wasn't getting a fair chance. I'm yeah. not. Go- I'm not going anymore. He doesn't fancy me. You know, I'm not yeah. going anymore because I didn't get a chance. Well, what chance are you getting a chance now? You're not here. Yeah. You know, if you're at least if you're there, because you, I'm a firm believer, Con, that if you, if you're there knocking, the door will open. You just have to be ready. But if you're there, you know, in bad attitude, you're you're there. You're not there. You're just you're not telling him. He's not picking. You're not putting yourself yeah. in a position to be picked and that's the vast majority of 100%. players 100% like I've, I've been dropped more times than I can remember and every single time like it, th- th- there was always a reason to be dropped yeah. like do you know what I mean like I've, I've not like it might not have been anything specific but I gave the manager a reason to not play me yeah. and like you know when, when you are honest enough and it's hard to get to that stage yeah, it but is, yeah. when you're honest enough you reflect and be like well am I <laughs> the very best that I can be yeah. do you know when not often you are yeah. You know, yeah, so like the fact it. that you're leaving it open for the manager, yeah, and, and you see, you'll, you'll start to look at other players that are maybe in a similar boat. So you can you can say, right, like um, he dropped me for this, but the boy beside me did this as well. And he didn't drop him, so there's another reason. Mm. There's, it's not it's not just that, and you have to make sure, you know, like turning up for training is not justified to be picked. You know, you're yeah. supposed to. That's a starting point. Yeah. Being fit. You know, is not a reason. Yeah. To, you know, you have to bring everything into the mix. And at the end of the day, you can, yes, you have to be at, you have to train hard, you have to work hard, you know, and then you have to be able to play the game and play in the role that they want you to play in. Yeah. And just because there's another lad beside you, maybe not at every session, that's not a good enough reason for him not to be playing ahead of you yes. or vice versa. You know, that's a, cause that, that is a sticky one that people will always yeah. like, use that stick to, be, to beat people or we, beat managers. We, we'd, uh, we had a, there was a guy God be good to him a guy called Patsy Roach and he lived across the feet, across the, mm. the road from our club and played for the club down the years but it was always always in every evening would be in the field just stroll over retire and he'd stroll over uh, and he'd be in the field and one of the there was uh, one of the lads giving the manager a bit of a hard time he said he says, but I'm in the field all the time he says yeah but so is Patsy you know <laughs> so <laughs> just being in the field is not yeah. good enough <laughs> exactly and, like, and these boys here are missing training that might end up taking your place come championship like if you're not like 
more valuable than them when you're there training all the time then it's sort of your own fault like you, yeah. you've, you've got the power in your control like and I don't mean yeah people are naturally better footballers but you can still you can get fitter you can get stronger you can understand the game plan better yeah. you can do all this stuff at training and if you don't do that in the time that this guy's missing all those sessions then you have to look at yourself you do no doubt about it and, and alright look the top clubs I suppose you know competition is really high and you know you could be really good football and just not make it in the mm. club because there's just better footballers there and then that that can be unfortunate um but and but i i see the vast majority of clubs if you're putting in the the effort and if you're up to a certain standard like if in Annanwood you know we, we're not blessed with players so numbers are tight and if you're half good enough you're going to be in, you know, you're going to get an opportunity once you're there. Yeah. You know, don't go away, throw the try. Ah, you know, I went to the first two matches, didn't get runs, so I'm not going anymore. This yeah. sort of thing. And that's, it's all over the county. Be the best you can be. That's all you need to yeah. do, you know. Especially when you're playing 25, 30 games a season. Yeah, you know, exactly. People seem to lose sight of that as that's well. That's it, like, yeah. Um, well, like, in Dublin, actually, so we're moving on from men's Gaelic football to, I suppose, Camogie and the LGFA. So, I don't know if you saw the statement during the week from Kula. So they pulled out of their Camogie Championship and they released a statement to go along with it. Um, reflecting Kula's decade-long one-club approach from f- to female games, these squads have dual nine players, each equally committed to their club football. So they've got nine players playing for Camogie and football um, and basically they decided that they couldn't play uh, so this is this is sorry I'm making a mess of this Johnny but just stick <laughs> with me here. so basically they had a game on a Sunday I think it was they were supposed to play their Kamogi Championship game at 10am and at 6pm they were going to play the Intermediate Championship final in the football and Kula made the decision they said based on player welfare grounds we're not going to let them play both so they pulled out of the Kamogi Championship because they were in the football championship final and they thought that was probably the better that's not the better chance of winning. Yeah. Like they ended up losing that, but that's not the point. They had a week. They had, they couldn't move that. They couldn't reschedule it. They had to play the final because Leinster was the next week or this week coming. So they made the decision, pulled out of the Camogie. And this happens all the time, actually, with with, um, with women's sport in general, like with, with Camogie and ladies football. And I think a, a lot of the problem is because you have two different associations yeah. there. Like, that's it. And it'd be like me complaining about like my basketball club. I don't play basketball. Yeah. But them like, you know, scheduling the game alongside yeah. it. Like, so just in, two, in yeah. two different different worlds. And, that, and, and that's the big problem. And that is, and because the problem is we're all in a GA club. Yeah. You know, so like yeah. these Kamogi players are in the same GA club as me. Yeah. But they're in different, different associations yeah. looking yeah. after different fixtures. Absolutely. And, and, and there doesn't seem to be any joined up thinking. Like there was definitely a solution to that problem. No doubt yeah. about it. You know, and like if it was a case of, you know, and and I know when you have different you have different clubs and different teams, but like this is sport, you know, and like I'd be very disappointed if those arrangement couldn't be met. But it just seems, and it happens. As you rightly point out, it happens. It happens so often um, in ladies, ladies between Camogie and, yeah. and we hear every year we'll be talking about it again like next year over the next couple of months watch out for absolutely. it absolutely like even stuff like they'll get moved out of um, this happens every year they get moved out of the county ground mm. because a men's game will go to a replay and again that, that's very harsh but then like say, say, I remember it was Westmeath this happened but Westmeath GA are looking after the men's senior football championship yeah. they, they weren't exactly running the Camogie championship no, no. so then they're just calling rank and taking back the pitch that they yeah. were sort of loaning out yeah. and again like there's no real bad person but the it's the players that are losing out yeah. every time yeah and and you have to like that's the big thing is, is to, like especially when you're like 
we all are under the under the tent of the GAA, mm. even though, as you said, they're they're all doing yeah. their own thing, and that that can be like, you know, the, the the men's side of the house, I suppose, run the hurling and football, and there does come there's times when when they do clash. Um, but in general, like I see a lot of our lads now would play Harlem McKyle over there in the county senior final, and it's tight. There's no doubt about yeah. it. But you do get, you know, the, the fixtures committee in Kildare, um, and I do be giving out about them a lot. But <laughs> um, they do get it. They do try to get it right, you know. And you'd often, you'd often maybe look at hurlers are playing. Okay, talk to them, see, talk to the manager there if they can move it. And you do tend to to make it to make it work. So like, and. It, Particularly two county finals like this is not, you know, a league game where you say, "Look, it, suck it up." You'll give other players a bit of an yeah. opportunity to play. This is this is and one's a championship quarter final and one's a championship sorry, final. Final, yeah. you know. So like, it's very unfortunate. There's no doubt about it, and it's a pity that that you know. I, and I read somewhere as well that the players actually wanted to play in the morning and play in the evening as well. Um, but. I suppose the club decided decided against that, and you know you can be like obviously for player welfare it is it's very very difficult mm. to, to to you know I suppose there's such a, a schedule of games now there's so many games in the year you do have to be mindful of of the load on the body and yeah. I suppose that's the the, the sports science I know years ago, like when I started I was playing minor football in the morning and then you play senior league in the afternoon. But like that's totally frowned upon now. And even at the time, we thought you know you were being to- taken from uh, minor matches to go to senior. You thought you were the great lads, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've sort of arrived, so, but <laughs> but it's it's unfortunate, and it, I I don't see without knowing. I'm sure if you if you brought someone in from the ladies in the Camogie, they'd tell you a hundred reasons why it has happened. But I just I'd be very disappointed if they couldn't come to an agreement where. Both, both could be accommodated. Yeah, and it's it's like the the Kieran Malloy thing, you know, over the last couple of years, like having to play with Cora Finn in the club and then go up and play in the Sigerson. Like, mm. Again, this is all different competitions and stuff, so it's yeah. harder to to manage. But like that's a national story, and rightly so, because it's like here's a top player looking to play two top games. And in fairness, Kula probably deserve a bit of congratulations. Oh, not congratulations. That's, that sounds patronising, but like you know, just fair play for like yeah. making this well, decision. It's a tough decision. Yeah. Like, the, the easy thing would say, look at. Let's let's see how the game goes in the morning. Hopefully, we won't pick up too many. See how he's are, and we play it. And all of a sudden, then they're not. But if you continue to do that, does anything get fixed? Like you have to sometimes call a halt, and it's a tough decision. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of players that are only playing one sport are very left very disappointed. Exactly. As well, you know, Camogie yeah. players don't yeah. get championship. Now. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, and it, that, like that's championship is your is is what it's all about. You, you train for all year, um. So that, that that's disappointing. But it, it was a brave call by by uh, by Kula. Yeah. You know, and I, I think until these things are highlighted, you know, and and then people sit down and say, look, this is bad PR for our association, and you know, no matter what association, no matter what group, you've you've. Uh, you know, you have to mind the brand as well, yeah. and and it's bad PR um, that that none in the camogie or the, the the ladies football want. You know. Yeah. Well, don't freak out, Johnny, just yet. While I talk about some hurling, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, Kilkenny's going to do a quick round up here. Bennetsbridge in the county final last year. They're in a different kind of final this time round. After stop start season, they're now in a relegation playoff, and they could be relegated to intermediate after going from senior final last year. Uh, Cheddar Plunkett, our own Cheddar Plunkett, is in um, in their first or they're, sorry, they're in the semi final with James Stevens. So he's looking after them, and they're out on Saturday. Um, or actually, they beat Dainsford on Saturday. Up and down, back in Ulster, back in football, you'll be glad to know. Uh, Mickey Moore got off to a good win, beat Byrne 
obviously the champions last year a massive game in the down quarter final there two late goals for Kilku Paul Devlin Connor Laverty saw them age out Paddy O'Rourke's men 2-12 to 2-9 Mickey Moore and Conniff Gilligan like it's a dream yeah. team isn't it yeah Jenny they're, they're, if, you, if, if you can't play for them boys <laughs> it's in <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, uh, definitely and huge experience there you know boys that have 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 gone to to, to real strong heights you know so it, it's definitely a you know, Conor Gilligan was a, was a fantastic player. Lovely. He, bro- he broke our hearts a few times in Galera. Yeah. Yeah, but a great footballer and a great sportsman, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, back in the Hurling, the reigning champions in Offaly are out. Cool Derry were defeated by Belmont. I saw that, yeah. yeah. That's, that was a strange one. It's yeah, mad, isn't yeah. it? Like Wexford, another reigning champion have fallen. Nivena, they, they were unceremoniously dumped out by an impressive Fernside scoreline of 121 to not 12 what's that 12 points in 12 it points, yeah. don't expect that from reigning champions no and in the Mayo Football Championship Ballina beat Briefy that's a massive result massive result I remember yeah. Cormac O'Malley was doing a lot of updates and he was putting out uh, clips even um, from Castle Bar of this game and when it went to extra time, I thought, ah, Ballina blown it. You know, you, you, you don't, you missed the boat or whatever yeah. else. But geez, they put it home then, one, two, thirteen, to not fourteen. One of the clips that they put out actually, it was David Clark going up the ball to crossbar to stop a Rob Henley free kick. Yeah, I thought, ah, oh, that's uh, nice. Uh, it's lucky he didn't do it in Crow Park; it would have been a pint. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but that's a nice, uh, tasty semi-final lining up in Mayo. So Castle Bar, Ballon Tubber, Ballahadreen, Andy Moran scored a goal at the weekend, and Ballina in that semi-final. Yeah, and Ballina would be the surprise one in in that uh, they would have, I think, Briffy would have been hotly tipped to win that yeah. one. You know, so it's, I suppose that's the you know the, the underdog story and and. Um, there's loads of examples of them all over all over the country. It's great to see, but that's what keeps championship going. You know, like you you want you want people coming from teams coming because it gives everyone a bit of hope. Yeah. If it's the same the same teams all the time. You know, what are you, what are we doing here? Where, is, what are we training for? You know, this is it. This is club championship. Yeah. This is the this is the best part of the year. It is. Like, it know? is. You're coming in. Yeah. And and what? But why is it the best part of the year? For me, it's a couple of things. One, you're going to get really competitive games. Two, is you can. Sit down on a Sunday, you know, a wet Sunday. Turn on TG car, and you can look at, you can look at games. Yeah, like I'm, you know, you look at maybe Saint Rhinus and Kilcarma Kalahi and the, yeah. the awfully senior uh, yeah. semi final, and you're thinking, geez, this is a great match. <laughs> you know, you have no affiliation to either yeah. side. You're looking maybe for the couple of names that you'd recognise, and you're thinking, like that's to me is is what the GA is all about. You're selling the games our. I suppose grassroots to everybody in the country, yeah. you know, and that, like, even this weekend, um, and I was I was enjoying it, and I was half given out about it. You know, we looked at the the two uh, Cork oh, hurling yeah. games on the telly, and I'm thinking this is brilliant. Mm. But yet, you know, we went so far into the championship, into the football championship, and there was no game on RT. Yeah. You know, we looked at it, and I'm not the monster hurling was brilliant, but it was all so, and it's not RT's fault because they're only allowed to show a certain mm. amount. But I'm thinking. What a glorious opportunity to just sell our games. Throw them out as much as possible. Yeah. You know, even if, and I know we talked about it before on this show, even if you you lose, and we never know who would have went to a game and who didn't, but even if there was 100 people less at a game or 200 people at an inter-county game, right, you lose that revenue. But think of the value in the brand yeah. to every other corner yeah, and the country and beyond. as a whole. Like, yeah. Has to. Yeah. Has to. Because we're watching on telly and make it, you know, like, uh, I, I wouldn't be the biggest soccer fan in the world but you see what Sky can do for soccer yeah. and, like soccer drives me mad at times because I don't know any other sport where you could fall asleep for half an hour and miss nothing in yeah. the game you know and we've even a, a like a poor game 
you know, you'll get a bit of a, some lad will do something special yeah. or there's a bit of a row or something in it. And, and we don't see it. But it's, it's grown that much now, you know, that there's millions playing fantasy football. Like, you know, and yeah. that, that's currently ruining my life. Like, yeah. you know, but, but like, I'm so invested. So even like, I'm sitting down and there's two teams I couldn't care less about, yeah. but I've got two players in my fantasy team yeah. that I'm just suddenly invested in. Like, and big time. That's how big that game's grown yeah. as well. Yeah. But enough about my fantasy team, Johnny, yeah. you'll get me going here. <laughs> um, next up, Willie is back with a nice interview with Brian Gavin here coming up, and we're going to look at performance of the weekend after that. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay <laughs> that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you malamente si si Okay, so there was lots of controversy in the hurling championship regarding refereeing, especially in the All-Ireland semi-finals and a bit in the final as well. There's been calls for two referees. There's been calls for VAR. We have four-time All-Ireland referee Brian Gavin, who's joining us on the line now to talk to us about the standard of refereeing. How's it going, Brian? Very good, Colm, and yourself? All good, all good. Good to talk to you again there after Liberty Hall. You were, you were uh, on the receiving end of a little bit of Lark Harbit guff. <laughs> I'll get a bit of crack going, fairness, and it, I suppose it, that was on his chest for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, de- it definitely was. So I was reading a piece uh, from you in the Examiner at the start um, of the year, and you said the talent coming through is not strong enough, not a county or provincial level, which is worrying. Now, obviously, in the All Ireland final this year, Alan Kelly and Sean Clear had never refed an All Ireland semi final before. So obviously, your prediction at the start of the year maybe had come true at that stage. Yeah, and I suppose it's nearly like a, a club team column, if you can, I can describe it like that, that maybe they're after winning a few senior championships and next thing there's a few players gone and, you know, their panel gets a little bit shook and it takes them a while to find their feet again and get going. And it's something like that in the hurling referee in, in, in certain. Um, I suppose there was myself, Barry Kelly, Johnny Ryan, James McGrath, Dermot Kerwin, all men that I suppose had refereed all Ireland and... Uh, were gone and very near going. Johnny Ryan obviously this year um, didn't make it on the fitness end of it and he was gone. So that was five sort of experienced lads gone off your panel and it left lads then that I suppose hadn't much experience going in to referee major games and you know you had Fergal Horgan who had refereed in All-Ireland he was still there James Owens in particular so they were your two leaders or your front runners and then in behind that you had a lot of lads column that was you know definitely had got chances at provincial level and to a certain extent at national level so you were going to be dealing with a raw enough panel for you know the amount of hurling games that was going to be on this year so it left them under a lot of pressure um, and it'll be even you know more pressure again next year so that's just the way it is and and I suppose I have a few comments on that in in a few minutes when we get into it you know Yeah I want to talk to you about Johnny Ryan not making the fitness uh, test because that's very interesting but I was reading only last March Tipperary GA cancelled the recruitment course for new refs because only three people signed up um, you had the mid-tip chairman, Jonathan Cullen, um, saying to the examiner, as things stand, it'll just be a matter of time before games will not be played due to lack of referees. And has it got that bad, Brian? It would be in certain counties, Colm, yeah, that's for certain. In this other counties, the, Yeah, yeah, and tip in, in particular. Like, you would have good administrators pushing referees and trying to get them to a high level of standard in 
uh, decision making and physical fitness, all that. But the real problem is, Colm, the incentive to referee just this and there. And it, it, apart from the money end of it, like to get 30 or 40 euro to referee a game and be under the pressure you are probably from parents at underage, but even when you get up to inter-county to get 50 cent a mile and a meal allowance, you know, I, I just don't know. Would lads commit to it? And is that, are we selling it the right way? Can we improve the incentive to, to referee or become a referee? How do we make it more attractive is the big uh, question that has to be asked. And, you know, there is no more greater pleasure, though, than refing an All-Ireland final or a provincial final or anything like that. But the incentive to referee or take up refereeing isn't there at the moment. And that's the biggest problem facing any county uh, to recruit referees. I, I just and then when we do recruit them we're sort of short of referees so we throw these five or six lads that might come the one year into games and games they're probably not ready for and all of a sudden then they're gone within two or three months so I'd say if we were to do a survey of a lad when he becomes a referee we'll say in March the likelihood there's a 50-60% chance he's gone again maybe June or July Right, I suppose. And if any potential referee saw the kind of grief Sean Clear got, you know, because now there's social media, that wouldn't have been around when you were reffing, uh, really, Brian, a, li- a little bit towards a little bit towards the end. But it seems to be a little bit more vicious now towards referees when they get things wrong. Because you and I both know from growing up in the GEA, fellas go to, some fellas go to matches purely to give the referee guff. Yeah, and no matter what, even five minutes gone in the game, they're you at it, hear, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and you wonder, there might be even two frees gone, and there's there's two or three lads, the same fellas you'll hear most, especially at club games. Now, with inter-county games, it, it's a lot different, but I suppose Sean Clear, in my opinion, look, Sean Clear is probably the fittest referee we have in the National Hurling panel, but you see, I think we've got a little bit bogged down, and again, we've touched that, as you said, about the fitness test later on in the year, but we've got bogged down on how fit a referee can can be, Rather, can he be confident in his own ability? Uh, can he make decisions? Can he make them under pressure? Can he read the game? Does he know what a foul is with a hurl? Is it intent? Is it not intent? So there's a lot more to refereeing than just being up with the play. You have to be able to determine whether a lad means to strike some of the hurl, whether it was a complete accident. And that's where I think we fall. we have fallen down. We've just gone carried away with how fit a referee can be. And we need to really go back to decision-making and applying the rules as in, you know, using your head. I'm not going to say common sense because Crow Park would freak out if I say common sense. Yeah. But you have to use your own interpretation to judge these tackles that we see so often in these hurling matches. Right. Well, we'll talk about this fitness uh, level stuff now then because um, there was a study in DCU and they said during the 2017 Senior Championship, Gaelic football and hurling referees covered 9.8 kilometres and 9.6 kilometres per game respectively. I thought maybe football might have been a bit higher than hurling with the ball travelling so far, but uh, um, obviously they're, ver- they're very, very close. Now, in fairness, the majority of the total distance involved walking or jogging. So you're not sprinting around that uh, yeah. that, that distance. So sprinting, which was classified as running at speeds above 18 kilometres per hour, accounted for around, for around 10% of the total distance. Now, you're ta- ta- talking about fitness becoming overly... Um, you know, o- overly required for being a top-level referee. Well, it's the test itself, Colin. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving out about. It. I know a referee. The one, one criteria you have to have is be fit. But we do what's called the bangs bow test, and it's a yo-yo intermittent recovery test. So it's something similar to the bleep test. So you go over twenty meters and back twenty meters, and then you have a ten-second recovery. 
So obviously the levels go up as corn as the test continues. So the test is start at level five and it could go to nine for, you know, yeah. ordinary enough just to get it going. But when it gets into levels 13 or 14, it goes up at eight at a time. So you've, for example, 14.1, 2, So going back when they introduced this test, the standard was 14.8, which was achievable and it wasn't bad. And then it would arise into 15, 4 and 6 and we'd have a few lads then when lads weren't looking just moving on the cone a little bit and <laughs> there'd be lads going before the beep and turning before the cone and stuff like that. So the standards used to be very high because we weren't running it strict. So then a lot of referees start giving out, especially the fifth referees that uh, weren't getting games, that lads are uh, moving the cones, they're turning too quick. So it got too serious too quick. And all of a sudden, column has gone up to level 17.4 in the championship, being run fear strict. Right. So that's a rise of 20 extra runs, which is a lot when you think about it. That's a lot. So and like, like, just, just, just on that, I've done a lot of bleep tests down through the years and some of the, the actuals, they count differently. So it's hard to compare every bleep test. But 17.4 on any bleep test I've done, that's in the upper range of any team I've been on. You know, there's only about two or three lads getting above, above that if that's the same bleep test, which is a very high level. It is indeed, and I know it gives you the 10 seconds extra to recover, but it's aimed at maxing you out, but it only lasts for 14 minutes, and this is where I have a huge issue with, that a game could last for 70, 80 minutes, and we're maxing ourselves out to be roughly around 14, 15 minutes of a bleed test, and some levels didn't make the championship panel in the last two, three, four, five years at getting to 17.1 or 17.2, so really they were 40 metres away from actually refereeing and they weren't allowed to referee and you know you have to have an overall evaluation to be a referee and do, said, do, the, do the not Brian like I mean it, the fitness test is the only test or is, surely there's theory tests and, and uh, oh, you know other yeah, there's a rules test as, as well Colm and uh, you have to get 96% of that which is it's 50 questions and you get two marks per question so you're, you're only allowed three wrong uh, answers which is correct because they're fairly straightforward and you'd want to see you know you have time to do the written test and right. fill in the you're, you're given options you know but on the physical test like I think there has to be an overall criteria to be a referee obviously fitness is one column but your decision making and your confidence in your own ability and you know you just can't be put down to fitness I think it has to be put down to performance as it says knowledge of the rules uh, and have, like why should a lad lose out if he's 40 metres short when he could be one of the best decision makers out there it just doesn't make sense to me and you know we meet every three weeks up in DCU and do a training session like surely in this day and age when players are training four or five times a week that we should have regionalised training sessions i.e. at Lone, Dublin, Kilkenny, Mallow, Belfast and surely there's someone in each province to take the referees for a week training like once a week is not asking a lot from a referee to make sure he's at a training session and your fitness uh, improves straight away but going to Dublin every three weeks just to do a training session I know you train on your own but it's not the same training on your own it's like when you're training with a team it's great to have lads around and you're pushing on each other yeah. but you take a referee who's between the age of 32 to 48 out there training his own it's very very hard column it's not simple and believe you me it's not simple Yeah. so did, did you fail the fitness test when you finished refereeing? I would have once or twice I would have and they've already given you a second or third chance in which to do to right. try and get over it. Oh, so it's, not, it's not a game changer if you fail it the first time? No, you have to get it, you can get a chance to get it the second time but again, 
the second time then you're only doing it and it might be only two referees and you might be happier with that there's not so many people standing looking because it puts pressure on you and in the latter years the last three or four years there was seven or eight lads from Crow Park standing around watching and you know it's, you might have refed in front of 82,000 but here you're in front of seven or eight provincial administrators and yeah. maybe the games manager in Crow Park and you're under huge pressure and it just sometimes gets to you and it plays mind games with you and it's just it's after turning a lot of people off refereeing at national level and uh, it's something Donald Smith who's the new incoming manager in Crowbar really has to look at for refereeing to progress Right okay so like I mean this is the thing I don't really understand about the fitness being such a big deal especially when 90% of it is walking or jogging you know and like it, that, it doesn't make sense to me to have to be up at 17.4 to referee a game it, it, like, it just doesn't so if like would you sp- still be refing if that was relaxed a little bit or would Barry Kelly still be refereeing if that was relaxed a little bit Well if no doubt I'd be still refereeing any column that's for certain and people listening in might say which are look you're lazy or you took the easy attitude I can tell you one thing there's no one as trained as hard at times as, as Brian Gavin has and trained on his own and I'm sure Johnny Ryan would have been on the championship panel the last couple of years. Even James McGrath would have failed us a couple of times. Barry Kelly some of the times. Alan Kelly, you know, football referees. You know, and then we introduced the 50-age bracket into referees and we lost a few referees there, like Jimmy White from Donegal was ready to ref in All-Ireland and we introduced a 50-year-old bracket and that was him gone. So um, there would be still lads refereeing if it was. And as I said to you, if lads were training once or twice a week, I don't think you'd have to worry about any fitness test or what levels lads were at. I know you need a test here and there, but as uh, the, as a one man said to me in Crow Park, a common man, Pat Daly, says, the more tests you do only proves one thing, that you're just wired to the moon. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I, and I agreed with him on that, you know. Like, and so the, fi- the 50, like you're, for, you're the same age as me, 41. Like, I mean, I find that amazing when, when Hurling's crying out. It's not just because I'm speaking to you, but when Hurling's crying out for experienced referees, and you would referee, but you wouldn't be able to get to that 17.4. You wouldn't be able to get to whatever you can get to, but you can get your, your fitness to a level where you can referee games. I find that it seems like the GEA a little bit are shooting themselves in the foot with these really high standards of fitness. Well, look, to be honest with you, I, I describe myself something like Eugene Coughlin and Offley or Kevin Keenan. I'd be a big snuff fella. It'd take me five or six yards or seven yards, call him to get up and going. And <laughs> next thing, can I'm up and going, I'm turning that 20 metre line. And even to this day, my hips are killing me from the constant turning on the 20 metre line. And I know a lot of other referees are in the same boat. And I think we should have concentrated more on 60, 70 metre runs like game situations. But when I got up and going and got running, call him after 10 or 15 yards, you know, I remember in the 2016 All-Ireland I played an advantage for Cahill Barrett just around before the 45. He cleared it down and Bubbles stuck it in the net. And I'll never forget looking at the replay. I'm not far off Bubbles again. He strikes it. So within four or five seconds, Colm, or maybe six, I was gone 40, 50 metres, you know. So I knew when I got up and running I was OK. But I think the punish fellas over 20 metres and turning constantly isn't the way forward. And I just hope it changes for everyone's sake, yeah. you know. So, because, like, I mean, the bleep test... The bleep test is more, it's it's not necessarily a guide to how you'll be running because like you say, referees, if when you're running, you're, run, you're running stretches. You're, you very rarely sprint 20 metres and then turn around and sprint another 20 metres, like leaving less than 20 metres, whatever the bleep test is. Yeah, well, the biggest, five example would be, yeah the biggest example would be someone maybe like Sean Clare, who is too, I won't say too fit, but he's too close to the action. And when the ball is cleared 60 or 70 yards, He's completely out of position then. Right. So really, the refereeing is about position and decision making. 
and you could be the fittest referee out there, but your positioning could be terrible. And Sean does be too close to the play. It switched 70 or 80 yards to the far side of the pitch, and here he is, gone bananas running again across where, like, you should be around 15, 20 metres from the play the whole time. Like, if you can't see anything from 15 or 20 metres, well, you shouldn't be roughing in the first place. So, it's about reading the game and your position is more important than being going through the bank ball test up to level 18 or 19, that's for certain. Yeah, the big joke when you're younger is give the referee a pair of glasses. I presume you have eye tests. I presume you have eye tests and stuff. <laughs> Actually, we do. In fairness to Cork <laughs> even, uh, even got the umpires uh, a free eye test one time too, but I don't know many of them availed them have we've seen the last few years, but uh, <laughs> it was certainly made, uh, it, was, it was made possible for them whether they took it up or not, I don't know. But yeah. uh, no, we do have eye tests, yeah. Right, well, that would be a classic if there was no if there was no eye test. But come here, uh, I saw as well in the examiner you were saying that refereeing top level hurling now is diff- is different and difficult compared to five or six years ago. It was more man to man stuff back then, whereas these days there are more rooks. You could have eight or ten lads around the ball, and the physical stuff has ramped up. Is that is that is that your take on it? Yeah, well, a couple of things, Colin, have changed. Obviously, the physicality of any hurler of football now with the gym work is is, is ferocious, and now there's no one holding their own position. So, you know, there are six backs, it's not on your six forwards. It's completely, you know, nearly gone like football at the half-forward line has retreated and some of the half-back lines are following them. And you see now the rooks, there's no one moving a ball on the ground anymore. So there's definitely eight or ten people around uh, a ball trying to pick it and rise it. So when that player eventually picks it, is he taking too many steps, number one? Is there someone fouling him, number two? And is he charged at number three? So all of a sudden, you know, Hurland has become a, a difficult game to referee in the last few years with the amount of uh, rooks that we've seen. But the fitness of fellas now that a lad in Hurland compared to maybe 10 or 12 years ago hasn't the time and the ball that he used to have. Like you get a ball now and there's someone nearly on you straight away. And yeah. you, have to, you hardly have time to blink. So it is, it is gone a little bit more difficult than the referee. And in, I don't think it's as enjoyable as it used to be, Colin. I, I, I could safely say that, you know. Yeah. Well, I suppose you're, you're, not only do you not have time, there's not even one lad tackling you, there's three of them. And then you've got the whole, you know, that dilemma for referees. Is he overcarrying or is it a free? And it, like, I mean, referees are human beings and you've seen it so many times down through the years that if a team is making a comeback, he's overcarrying. And if, you know what I mean? It, it depends on the, the way the flow of the game is going. Because often they're toss-ups, Brian, aren't they? Whether a lad is overcarrying or whether the three lads are actually fouling them. And that's it. And, and actually, you know, Don Logue obviously was highlighting it the last four years and I wouldn't see high tie with Don Logue, but that doesn't matter. I take his point on board. The spare hand is an issue in Harlem, whether we like it or not. Is he tugging a lad when he's in possession? Is he pulling him back? And that's hard to know. I'm actually training at intermediate hurlers in Cara this year and we've done a drill a couple of times this year that I'm trying to get the lads with a man that has the ball when you're coming to tackle him that you keep your two hands on your hurl because the easy thing to do now is put out your arm and obviously, number one, the opposing player could hold it and go to ground. Else it could go around your neck or else you're going to hold him and tug him. So if you can try and keep your two hands in the hurl and put the man that has the ball under pressure, as in put him right or left of you, it obviously is a big help. But it, the spare arm and the over-carrying in hurling is really the big talking point at the, in the last two or three years, that's for certain. Yeah, it definitely is. So head-high tackles were the big thing this year. So we had Willie Barrett coming out at the start of the year 
and saying there's going to be a zero tolerance. So he says anything above the shoulders in relation to striking the head from the neck up. We've instructed our referees clearly, both in hurling and football, to issue a red card for a challenge that's a deliberate challenge to the head. Now, I saw James Owens' dilemma in the all Ireland final. James Owens didn't want to send Richie Hogan off. What, what, what was going on in James Owens' head at that time? Was he thinking assessors? Was he thinking, Jesus Christ, I'll be lynched by hurling people? You know, Babs Keaton came out after the game and says a bit of common sense wouldn't have gone astray. And we all know the common sense thing is just to let it go. It'll ruin the game. And how much was James Owens thinking, I really don't want to send him off. I know he's not that type of player, but I'll never get an All-Ireland final again if the, ass- the assessors will lynch me. Well, there's a couple of things in that column. Um, at the start of the year, usually when we come out with something in Crow Park, like as in throwing the ball or what we're going to pull for this year, the head high was won because of concussion. And yeah. ever since the helmet has been introduced, I suppose we've never seen as many head high tackles. So they decided this year that they were going to cut it out. And the problem for James Owens, even in the quarter final or semi final or final or any referee, was it was after being, I'd say, 80% of the year implemented that that round the head was a red card. So James Owens would have seen this tackle in the All-Ireland final and it'd be like me or anyone the last thing you want to do in an All-Ireland final is send off anyone and he definitely would have talked about that's why he walked over slowly first to Johnny Murphy to get his version of it because Johnny was close to it then he would have waited for a couple of seconds to see how Cahill Barrett was and he would have deliberated it again and in the meantime he probably would have been hoping another linesman or umpire might come into his ear to give him another benefit of doubt or if they might have seen it and that's just, unfortunately we probably can't see it on the big screen in Crow Park but he was given Richie Hogan every chance not to send him off but obviously the evidence outweighed it after and he had no choice but to send him off and I even at the game at the time thought Carl Barrett had made a little bit much of it but obviously when I see it in that fourth camera angle going back yeah. he really caught him under the chin and it was a very unfortunate for Richie Hogan he wasn't trying that but it happened and James Owens had no choice. And you see, James would have thinking back to the 2012 finally done column that uh, Colin Fenley, the hurl round the neck from Johnny Cohen, nearly beheaded Colin Fenley. And he didn't issue a red card there and he came in for a bit of slack there. So that would have had pled in his mind as well. But at the end of it, he had to send off uh, Richie Hogan as unfortunate as it was for the game and as a spectacle. Yeah. Are we at a bit of a crossroads with uh, hurling people and referees and them having to accept that some of these things are going to have to be punished? And if you were to come back into the game, I know you were refereeing right up until 2016 because you were known, were known for letting the game go. I think Henry Shefflin even referenced you with the Richie Hogan thing. It says Brian Gavin would have just applied common sense. But that was like, would you struggle now to, with the reputation you had as a really good referee, a good hurling referee? And now if you had to maybe make that call, you might make it different than you would have three years ago yeah I suppose it's all about getting yourself established on the national panel and the problem we have then is uh, maybe players in Christy Ring and Joe McDonough are being punished by the referees that are at that level because they're looking at the video clips at the start of the year and you probably have to go with what the majority of the room go with on the night that's the way if the referee I suppose myself in particular and, and some other referees that like to let it go I'd like to let it go once the tackle was broken and he had a chance of clearing it. it. You know, not like there's a lot of people going to matches, column that are paying 20, 30, 40 euro into matches and it's a lot of expense. And the last thing they want to see is a referee whistle happy. But I never used to let a game go unless I felt I was in control of it, first of all. Yeah. And I had the comfort then to, we'll say, let it out and then rein it back in a little bit. So that is 
uh, to be honest with you, that's a talent that some referees have and some referees haven't got. And that's where it gets bogged down a bit, when you know when to pull back in the game and when to let it out. And that's not an easy trait of a referee. And I suppose everyone wants consistency. But when they're not doing it in the John Mac, when they're doing it in the John McDonough or Christy Ring and we're not doing it at the national level, that's a problem for the managers at that level and the players at the level as well and the supporters. So it is a fine one. But if I was to go back referee and I don't think I'd be comfortable, I don't think my style would be comfortable in the modern game what Crow Park want me to do rather than what I feel as a hurling man would, would players like, you know. Yeah, no, that's the unfortunate thing. So how do we help them then? I mentioned at the very start of the show people are talking about two referees, they're talking about VAR. I'd be against both of them. Um, I don't know what you what you think of, of those two um, suggestions. Uh, I suppose definitely two referees I don't think... I, I, I did think about it a lot, you know, especially people talking. Uh, I don't think that had worked, Colm. I just think we need to sit down with the referees and get them mentored. Like, I'm not being smart. Barry Kelly's finished, Brian Gavin's finished, Johnny Ryan's finished, Dermot Kerbin's finished. We should be able to go around and help these referees. Yeah. As in, sit down with their match videos and go through it, try and improve their position and try and improve their decision-making. You know, just to get a sheet of paper from an assessor... Uh, see how, how you've done number one where there's no video game or where there's games not televised but if your game's on telly you should be able to go through that video yourself but you should have the confidence to pick up some other referee or some other person to give you that guy to go through but I think Crow Park should be doing that for referees you should be mentored you should be trained at least once or if not twice a week and you should be made more professional like the players are these days as in diet training nutrition all that now it does happen but it's not happening as regular as players. And as I said to you, referees are on the far side of 32. Players are on the far side of 26 going down the way. So there's a big difference in fitness of a player and a referee. So if we can start investing a few pounds into regionalise the training, mentor the referees on the positioning and decision-making, I think we would improve it. But we have to have an incentive for a club referee to start off refereeing. And I think... I think to attract anyone it has to be obviously a money issue we can't be going around giving 30 or 40 euros to a referee to get the abuse he's getting I don't think that's going to work No definitely not two other quick ones before I let you go um, what would you think of ex-inter-county players becoming referees and maybe not starting refereeing at the very low club level but being fast-tracked into it and given training and given courses is that possible or is this something you need to you need to you know have 10 years experience with you know in match situations Well it, some lads could take to it like duck to water more lads could be a disaster at refereeing you know like right. that type of way it, it, it is but I think to have the knowledge of an ex-player would be fantastic or even a player to play at a high club level like yeah. I was fortunate enough to play with Clare and both Holner football the majority of referees have played at some level but they've probably never played at a high enough level to know what the difference is between uh, a legitimate foul and, uh, and accidental so uh, I, I think it would be something to chance but no way is a player going to go into referee, as I said, for 30 40 or any ex county player, that's for certain. No, and there'd be a whole shitstorm then if they got paid more than the, re- the referees that yeah. were. <laughs> I don't even want to go down that road. The, the, the last one I want to ask you about is that, like, my argument on this and two referees and all this kind of thing for big games, you have three referees. You have the referee and you have two linesmen who are, are inter county referees in their own right. Then you have three referees. So this idea of calling for two referees, I think, is silly. Here's the question I want to ask you. Because there's a competition between a lot of referees, obviously, because you're all competing to get the, the big game, 
Is there an element of a linesman not going out of their way to help the referee in a big game because they're rivals? Well, I suppose, look, there would have been a certain amount of that. Um, every referee that you'll ask head on will deny it. Uh, I don't think you're going to make a wrong decision on the day column, but you're nearly sometimes you were hoping that the man in the middle might make a mistake or two, that there's another one out of the way. And that's <laughs> human nature. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's the same as the cornerback going for a county team and the other, you're hoping you're mad uh, get the roast and then you get your chance to go on and you do well. So that is an element. But I think we'll have to change the powers of a linesman as in it's not in rule that a linesman is certain of a free. You know, without a linesman calling the referee too often, that's the last thing you want is a, is a fussy linesman that's going to annoy the referee. But if you see a blatant foul like a lad is after picking the ball clean off the ground, you should be able to buzz the referee or tell the referee that's a free where at the moment we're not allowed. And that's the one thing that's showed in at linesman at matches. Do your job, linesman. What can the <laughs> linesman do? Only call a yellow card, call a line ball or call a red card and mark a 65 or a 45. So probably the powers of the linesman have to change. And that's where it gets bogged down with linesmen. Even though the referees, they haven't that much power. You know, they can try and control the, the sideline. They can do a bit of timekeeping as well. But really, there's no say on freeze. It's the referee on the day that calls all the freeze. And I think it's no harm if you miss the blatant free for a linesman to tell you, look, that was a free. But the last thing you want, Colin, is the lad doing the line and he had nine you the whole time. I think that was a push in the back, or I think this, or I think that. Yeah, I didn't you think, yeah. Define, yeah. You know, so there is, there is a fine line in it. But if you miss a free, the linesman should be able to tell you, look, because it could lead to a score column, you know. Yeah, yeah, so maybe, that, I didn't think of that dynamic, a linesman getting too big for his boots and annoying you, and then, you know, like, I mean, yeah. he could be in your ear all the time, and you're trying to, you're a different, you have a different style of refereeing, so I suppose the only solution there is to give them more power, but when the referee wants it, maybe, and, you know, did you That's see it, anything? He's not sure of something, yeah, now yeah. you're talking. Did you see yeah. anything there? Come here, I won't take up any more of your time, Brian, that was great stuff, it's always nice to hear it from the referee's point of view, and listen, if you ever want to go train, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take you <laughs> under my wing and get you right for next year's championship. <laughs> The wedding coming up now on September 27. <laughs> a good friend of mine, John Rell, so we have to do something for that. Colin, the last thing I'd like to say is people need to realise the referee is only human. He's from a normal club. He's a normal fella. He's trying to do his best. But there is a few referees out there at club games that are ignorant and arrogant, and you can't be that yeah. if you want to survive. You have to be able to give and take a bit of it and I think the, the slogan that's on any referee's sleeve is uh, give respect get respect and you know while players and mentors and everyone need to calm down a little bit too some referees in club games need to have a bit of manners too and you'd often see that the way they curse back at players and talk to players as well so it works both ways Colin but don't forget the referee is only human and we need him or we have no game Yeah that's true Brian thanks very much You're welcome Colin Thank you Remember my mother, Lord Mercenary, she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me holding live, but she always went to the matches to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one. And the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, Look, that's meant to be, is meant to be. She said, Keep the head up. I said, Grant, no bother, man, thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. He says, ah, look, what's meant to be at some hammer? Give it a fucking right.
Paddy Power performance of the weekend, Johnny. Tony Brosnan is back. He's back from America and he's back amongst the ridiculous tallies next to his name in the team sheet. 111 for Crooks. It just did this all last year, but we just, me and Willie got so excited about him thinking he was going to be Kerry's big thing this year obviously they didn't need him they had a good enough yeah. forward line in the end <laughs> well they might have done with him in the end <laughs> yeah. but I remember um, I remember Niall McIntyre in the summer did a good interview with him because he sh- he ended up out in McInespies out in Boston is that where that yeah, is yeah Boston yeah and he was, in fairness to him he was pretty um, classy about it he was saying I suppose get, this is actually a bit depressing though as well for club players who are in good club teams so he said I suppose getting to the all in final with Crooks stopped any chance of getting a call up because after we lost to Cora Finn, it was straight back in for April club month. So he was back with the club after yeah. he left the club. All the county players went back. Come May, talked to Peter and that. But he kind of had his own plans in place already. So sort of down the pecking order because you're doing well with your club. It's, now yeah. they're trying to change that this year with the GA. They're bringing the, the club finals forward. And that definitely will help like people like Tony Brosnan. But geez, like he, he really can light it up at club level. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic player. And, and you know, I suppose he's... He's fallen between two stools a little bit there, you know, and and um, I I still think, you know, his his, his chance will come, and and mm. you'd be hopeful that you know things go well for him, and you know, obviously he we're very much in the outside where he sits into Peter Key's plans, you know, I mean, he's he's a fantastic player, but you're where do you, where do you put him in that team, yeah. you know, it's it's, um, but but still you think someone of, of that's that's able to and that's top level football that's one mm. of the top clubs so it's it's not you know a really good player playing junior A football down in, down in you know in Kerry yeah, Dr. Crooks yeah exactly and maybe marking a guy that's you know, well well into his into his 30s and this is this is top yeah. top class football and like no matter 111 is, is just like it's phenomenal kicking I can only dream of oh, it's phenomenal like no at, at any level um, it's, it's super kicking so you know You'd be hopeful we'd, he's one you're going to see more of um, because, you know, he's, he's a talent. There's no doubt yeah. about it. What's the most you've ever scored in a game? I scored 11 points. Did you? Yeah, I scored 11 points against against, against Armagh. Ah. Sam around the league, yeah, yeah. Is that, that why McGee, McGee now, ended up coming to uh, kill there? Yeah, <laughs> Ronan Sweeney said there was 10, 14 yard freeze that he won, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I won't even tell you what my, my highest tally was. Um, Conor Callahan, so he's playing with cool uh, hurlers. It's hard to keep track of him now, to be honest, but um, he scored 2-3 for them. Um, I don't know if he saw his first goal, so they're playing Kill McCall. Big win for them. He gets the ball out in the right wing, and uh, Slitter, sorry. And yeah. he, <laughs> he just starts you know, going straight for goal like he does, yeah, but he ends up having a tight enough angle. And there's a big lad, a big Kill McCall lad, who hits him a good challenge. Like it's not, a, it's not a soft shoulder by any means. He comes in with one big left arm, and O'Callaghan just drives through it, and he sort of gets delayed a little bit. But just has enough muscle just to power past him and yeah. drills the ball and just serious core strength in him. Yeah, but we look at it. You only have to look at the, the you know the, the two pictures. <laughs> I know, and it's the the boy, yeah. the boy and the man. He's after he's after bulking up. He's obviously done a lot of a lot of work, and he's 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 watching his diet and all that sort of thing that goes with you know these top class inter or uh, inter county footballers. You know, so he's. But to me, the big thing is, and you, you hear you hear lads. Um, Talking about you know you have to have the hurl in your hand all the time mm. all the time, he just seems to be able to switch from one to the other. Like I'd say, oh, look at obviously he, you know, he's tapping around, going down for a uh, down to the pitch, and he bring the hurl and stuff like that. But 
like to be able to just go and again like cool are going to be there thereabouts they're a top yeah. they're a top team just to be able to seamlessly just waltz back in and produce performances like that it's a huge talent you know and what what I like about him is you know, there seems to be no airs and graces about him he just goes on and you know if, you, if you've seen him like pick the corner back you'd say oh, should look at if I can do a job for you lads I, I do do you know <laughs> yeah, that he, yeah. he, he gives off that impression um, and I, I, I like him for that yeah. you know it's just I, and like it'd be easy you know after after winning five in a row and you know like he's just back doing yeah. what he does and he looks happy to do it and I know there's, there's loads of them all over the country but mm. he's a top class example of it you know and and you know, we're, again, there's loads of times intercounty footballers and get bad press, but this is a guy like that's you know you're talking to young lads in clubs. You know what an inspiration he must be to have around the club. And we talked about the Declan Bonner earlier on, and it's, it's great. But here's a, here's a different kind of an inspiration. Yeah, you know, just the bigger the game or the smaller, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Mm. I play. I want to play. Serial know? winner as well. Like you know all those lists of all the yeah. All Irelands that he's won, but. Like I think this is the the main ingredient of a, a winner is that they just they're never satisfied. Like you can't yeah. you can't like you know, you can't keep them you can't feed them like yeah. enough. They'll just keep being hungry. And like even I think he scored a second goal against Kilmacud Crooks there, and you can just see him in the guy's face like mm. he was sticking his chest out, yeah. absolutely loving it. Yeah. Like and it's just back in the Dublin club hurling championship. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. all the all well, You know, and we you always hear the the, the old sort of you know grabbing the crests, pride in the jersey. Yeah. Well, it, it it's not really. It's the man in the jersey, yeah. you know, and and Conor Callan has prayed in himself yeah. whatever jersey's on his back, and, and wants winning. Yeah. and wants to, wants to be the best he can be, and you know the jersey only is, is it doesn't matter whether it's you know seen with with UCD putting in top performances, you know, yeah. obviously Dublin uh, club hurling and football, he just you know he's 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 a huge he's a huge asset to the game. He's one of our superstars yeah. today, you know. And one superstar that's still going is Benny Coulter. I th- I, I make it to the 36, 37. So Mayo Bridge won the reserve senior football championship in Down. And Benny Coulter kicked one seven, and he only needed forty minutes to do it because his hamstring went after that. Aye. But <laughs> got one seven that time. Mayo Bridge ran up a, a massive scoreline to to win out there. But yeah. Jesus, great to see Benny oh, Coulter yeah. still scoring. Isn't yeah. It? Oh, he's look at Benny's just a player of his generation. You know, he's he's like and so many. Like he was a brilliant goal getter. Yeah, that's like he got so many. I remember looking at a clip of him on YouTube, you know, and just you forget how how good he was at finishing yeah. goals. He was just phenomenal. Um, you know, I I I've just about forgiven him for the the, the goal against us in 2010. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not fully, but just about. Um, and I told him that as well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were all right. <laughs> we had a pint after, so we, we, I can we, see we, the headlines uh, now. Yeah, jo- Johnny Doyle, I have forgiven Ben. I have forgiven <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he's he's and like you know again just I suppose I always hate to hear you know the, the club versus county debate because we're all you know they're all club players mm. start with your club if you're lucky enough um, and maybe have the talent and the the application to play at the highest level um, it's great it's brilliant but then you go back to to being a, a club player and you're a club player all the way along that journey yeah. you know um, I say like for me it was about representing the club you know at, when I when I played with Calair and you can see that in Benny Coulter as well like he's you know and he's, he's just he's phenomenal and, and that, that club obviously like you know he he was obviously 
grew up in the, the Mickey Linden area yeah. era. So and and we look at what Mickey Linden is. I think he's still is he f- he's a, he's a, he's a little bit older than than Declan Bonner. You know, and he's <laughs> he still, is, yeah. and he's out the field yeah. kicking points. You know. So like again, you can imagine a young lad in in uh, growing up in in Mayo Bridge. You know, like you think, oh, uh, that's the end of an era now. Um, Mickey Linden's gone and next thing this ladder arrives you <laughs> yeah. know and like it's just it's huge asset to it like, ah, it's powerful you know, powerful it's stuff it's powerful stuff but you're not going to take away from Declan Bonner he is the performance of the weekend so congratulations Declan <laughs> I'm sure you'll be thrilled to know you're getting a pair of Paddy Power lucky pants <laughs> in the post so um, enjoy them thanks very much for uh, joining us Johnny thank you it's been great and we'll be back on Thursday see you then the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>